Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. I can't think of a more appropriate song than what they just sang for uh, to uh, to be the introduction of my message uh, today, and, uh, and obviously that was not anything I orchestrated. All completely preordained by God to happen, right? So our sovereign Lord in control again, just letting us know who He is. Uh, he is over your life all the time, and we need Him over our lives all the time. So, anyways. Uh, get your fingers in Matthew 14. Daryl just read that, 22-33. And I'm going to share with you a story to start this off uh, because it's so important to me as a major part of my beginning, uh, I would say, into the ministry. Uh, years ago was this passage, and it was all found in the one statement that Peter made in verse 28 when he said, Lord, if thou, if it be thou, and these next three words, bid me come. I, I mean, that took a hold of me years ago, like probably no other verse in the whole Bible. Because here was a man saying, if, if, you, if it's you if, you, if you can do this, and you want me to do this, ask me to do it. And Jesus very plainly said, Come, just come. And Peter was able to walk on the water, the only one of two men that ever lived on planet Earth, being Jesus being one, and the other ever walked on the water. So years ago, when going through a rough time in ministry, uh, God gave me a, a whole series of messages based on this one statement that Peter made. Bid me come. Uh, I could feel the Spirit of God bearing witness with my spirit like no other time in all of my life, including to this day. I could feel the spirit. I, I never left my office for what seemed like days. I remember telling my wife, just bring my food down. Just bring me the food. I'm staying here. And I had a bathroom in my office, so it was just that I just stayed there because I, I was right connected with what God was telling me. And uh, in all my years of ministry, I, I've never had the Lord speak to me like he did at that particular time. Now here's what happened. I was getting used to a computer at that time and uh, I now use an iPad, I think you know that, to follow along in my notes. And uh, back then I had a computer that I would write everything down because I'm, I'm not very good at writing, I'm not very fast and sometimes I can't even read my own handwriting. And when they came out with this typing thing and uh, iPad thing, it was like, oh, thank you Lord. But mere moments after I had spent days studying, praying, and documenting the wonderful truths that God gave me from his word, just me and him alone, and putting it all out on that computer, the computer crashed. Now I'm talking crashed. And I lost everything that I had written down for probably a good week was gone. And I, all of those incredible, insightful truths that God had placed in my heart and mind that I thought were going to be my defining 
uh, legacy and ministry. I really did at that moment. It was early in my le- uh, ministry. They were gone, and I could not recover them. I remember going to a geek somewhere down here in Albany at that time, and I said, I'll, I'll pay you anything to get those things back, uh, and they couldn't even get it back for me. They couldn't recover it for me. So what was one, I would consider one of the best moments in my ministry and my life turned quickly into one of the worst. And I was depressed for days. I tried everything. Everything I could do to, re- to remember, uh, and, but I had written it all down and I was taking it so fast, it's just, it just it was gone. What was I going to do? My question was, why, Lord? What could possibly be the reason for this? Did you give them all these truths to me just to take them away from me? You ever felt that way? You might be feeling that way today. And I hope this message will encourage you. Lord, I pray that as I attempt, Lord, that's all it is. It's a desire to please you, but it's an attempt to do it, Lord, in my frailties. And I trust that you'll allow my attempt to be successful for your glory. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. I asked him, I said, Lord, did you just pick me up like this and set me on the mountaintop just to bring me back down into the valley? Lord, did you cheer me up just to depress me? Did you bless me just to break me? I mean, these are the questions that were going through my head, and I was extremely disappointed and sad and frustrated until finally I realized what the Lord was trying to do. He was trying to show me something. By the way, I don't have a lapel mic today because the battery was dead, so I'm going to try to stay as close to the pulpit as I can. He was showing me this, that the faith I needed to get through the years ahead of me was to be in him and not anything else. And the storms that were going to come my way, and I, and I knew there's, I figured this out in hindsight, that a lot of storms did come my way. The only way I was going to get through them was my faith in him. So I needed that same faith Peter had to step out, but also to accept I won't make it without Jesus Christ. And now I stand in the pulpit here almost 30 years later. He knew what was going to carry me through the storms that I needed to go through and the obedience and trust that I needed to have in him to get through them. So does God sometimes give us something to take it away? He certainly does. And sometimes it's for our betterment and his glory. So what I needed to learn was this. Some battles you win, and some you will lose, but God ultimately wins. I also learned that some goals you'll reach and some you won't, but God will get his will done. I also realized that some things you'll never understand. Some you will, but God rules over all of them. He is sovereignly supreme, preeminent in the affairs of man. If this is, if this, in this you can trust, he is, he was, he always will be an amazing, almighty, all-knowing God that can always, at all times, be trusted no matter what you're going through. Let me just say that again. He is, was, and always will be an amazing, almighty, all-knowing God that can always, at all times, and all places be trusted, no matter what you're going through. 
You know, I was uh, concerned about losing messages, but you know what the Lord was concerned about? Losing me. And that sometimes is where we get in life. We get concerned about the things of life. And really the main concern of God is you. Uh, That you come through this life by faith in him. He was just showing me how my ministry was going to survive. By faith in him and him alone and his faithfulness to me. Not in what I think I need in order to succeed in this ministry. But in what he knows I need in order to survive in this ministry. Sometimes life is just survival, isn't it? Sometimes we just get in a survival mode. We just want to make it one more day or one more minute. And I am convinced this whole story was for one purpose and one purpose alone. It's found in verse 33. When all of them came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. That was his whole goal. It's just to get them to understand. The reason Jesus sent them into the storm was to prepare them for sending them into service. And he had to first convince them who he was, truly who he was. So the road ahead of them was not going to be easy for them. Uh, They were all eventually martyred except for John. And it won't be for you either without knowing who it is that's going to get you through this life. Or get you through this trial that you're going through or this suffering that you're going through. So there would be many storms they would have to go through in their life ahead. And their eyes would have to stay on this truth if they were ever going to make it. That it's only going to be by God's faithfulness that you get through this. And the same goes for every one of us here in the sanctuary today and everybody within my voice on live stream. He is your God. And he is faithful to his creation. So they needed this truth deep within their hearts if they, would, if they would expect to make it in life. Especially the persecution and the trials that they were going to face. So when Jesus says this, when he says come, it will require a faith in his faithfulness to hold you up sometimes. And to walk with you through the storms of life to succeed for him. I want you to notice that Jesus grabbed his hand and what did he do with him he had to walk back to the boat with him right they both walked back so he did sink at first but I don't believe Jesus picked him up and carried him back I believe they both walked right back to the boat and it was all by faith but it was different then wasn't it now it was in the faithfulness of Christ so it will require fearless faith in Jesus and fearless steps of faith towards Jesus this life it will require finding your strength in his words, forfeiting the comforts of, this, of the boat that you're in. It, it will require facing the storms and finding your way through them by faith in him to help you. So these three words, bid me come, change my life forever. And God wants to hear these three words from every believer. But God knows this. He knows they are the hardest three words for most believers to say. And I'm going to share with you in a minute why. I've had a lot of men throughout my years of ministry say, you know, I, I might be being called. And when I told them what would accompany the ministry, a lot of them said, I'm just not willing to go there. Just not willing to give up my home or give up what I own. I'm not willing to go to a place that's unknown. So in other words, Lord, ask me to come and I will come is a very hard, is a very hard thing to do. 
And not everyone comes when called because it's just so hard to do. It really is. That's why we have so few people in ministry. We know when Christ asks us to come, he's asking us to come where he already is, but it will take faith and his faithfulness to do so. And we know there's some things that come with that that we're uneasy with. For sure, this was an incredible act of faith. Won't you all agree? Wouldn't you agree? Peter, Peter did it. He, just to take a step was great faith. Just to take the step, even if he just sunk right immediately. Uh, but to me, what was greater faith was to say those words that Jesus bid me come. I pray before the end of this message, somebody will say that to Jesus today. Bid me come. They are hard words to say because they mean you have to surrender every doubt and, every, and believe him for everything by faith. Everything that confronts our flesh and our fears, it's the only way we'll ever know how faithful Jesus Christ is to us, and it's the only way we'll ever know how sincere our faith is to him. It's this cry those words out, bid me come. I believe the three statements that were made here in this scripture verse that Daryl just read are the, are the three hardest statements to make. If you look with me at verse 28, Peter said, answering him, said, Lord, if it, thou be, if, it, if it be thou, bid me come. That's the first thing. If you look in verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous was afraid and the beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And then verse 33, of a truth, thou art the son of God. They all came to that conclusion. I, I believe these are the three most crucial statements we must make, but also the most detested statements that Satan goes after and tries to rob from you. I, I, I believe this. I believe these are the statements right here of every, every, every person that ever comes to Christ has to come to the conclusion of these three things. If you're real, Lord, bid me come. And then when he calls you and something starts to go wrong, Lord, save me. And then when he does save you, right, you say, wow, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? All three statements are in here, and they're made by Peter, and the last one by the rest of them. So they are all, you know what they all are? They're acts of submission. In fact, most believers will never in their entire lifetime say, bid me come to Jesus for anything. Because of what Jesus might ask them to do. Now I say this all love my heart. God usually asks you to do things that makes you have to step out of your comfort zone. It usually asks you to take risk. In other words, he's asking you to be a risk taker by faith because he'll come in when the time of need is there. So once Peter said those words, he had committed himself. There was no turning back. Did you notice that? You know, once he said it, there's no turning back, you would look like a fool. He had to at least make the attempt. Come. He says, come. And he tried. Now, don't miss this truth. If he did not step out of that boat, he would have never known if he could have done it. If he did not step out of that boat, he would have never known if he could have done it. He stepped out, and the rest is recorded in the annals of history. For all of eternity, by the way. So he started out good, didn't he? And before it was over, he failed. But for all of eternity, I want you to know something. The saints in heaven aren't saying, oh, he looked at the storms and he got fearful and he sunk. 
No, they're not going to be talking about his failure, but rather his great step of faith. Peter will always be known as the only man besides Jesus who walked on the water. And, and today I'd like to give you what I feel are the reasons why. Now, if you're a note-taking person, I, I really think you should write these down. The re- these are the reasons why most Christians are not willing to say to Jesus with all sincerity, bid me come. So I don't know what God has asked you to do, is asking you to do, or will ask you to do, but I believe most believers desire to step out by faith. They do, and serve Jesus, but they are held back because of one or more of these reasons. And I am sure that all of the disciples witnessing Peter walk on the water wish they had done the same thing. I mean, I'm sure of it. I know if I was in the boat and, and I'm with my peers and one of them says, Lord, bid me come, and God says, come, and he steps out of the boat. I said, wish I could have had the faith to do that. Right? And I would have experienced the same thing. So here they are. And these are the four enemies of stepping out by faith for Jesus Christ. And these are the reasons why most people won't make a lifelong commitment to serve him. In other words, just drop everything and just serve him. Number one is this, the fear of forfeiting their freedom. Now, did you hear what I said? The fear of forfeiting your freedom. In other words, what is God going to ask me to give up? That's the main fear for most people. The fear of forfeiting my freedom can be summed up in what I call three areas. Number one, first, the fear of forfeiting my freedom of comfort. The fear of forfeiting my freedom of comfort. I like comfort. Don't you like comfort? Everybody loves to be comfortable. It is a very hard step out of your comfort zone if you're going to trust that God will provide for you and care for you for all of your needs if you step out and serve him. I like having money in the bank, don't you? I like knowing my job is secure. I like knowing I am covered if things don't go as expected. And I like having comforts without confrontations. And Satan knows that. So bid me come with me and having to give up all the comforts of the boat that I have. Second, the fear of forfeiting my freedom of control. Right? If I step out by faith, I can no longer control things. It would mean I would have to forfeit my rights to do it my way, and now it's all going to be God's way. Now, I want to tell you something. That's a little scary. It was for me when I first stepped out by faith. In other words, I have no say in it after that. I'm, giving, I'm coming because you said come. I have no idea where this is going to end up. So I may not, uh, I may want to, I may want to do it, but, but it means I may not know where I'm going and where I'll end up, and I have no say in the matter of it all. Total surrender always poses a fear of losing control. I, I, I would have no control to buy what I want to buy anymore, to go where I want to go anymore, to listen to what I want to listen to anymore to look at what I want to look at anymore, to live where I want to live anymore. I am not willing to make that kind of sacrifice. That's what usually happens. So it would mean turning over the helm of the ship, right? Right over to Jesus, letting him take control. It's a fearful thing, by the way, the Bible says, to fall into the hands of the living God. 
an all-consuming fire. It would mean turning it all over. Here's the, thir the third, the fear of forfeiting my freedom of choice. I can no longer choose what I want to choose. He chooses for me once I give my life to him. In other words, yeah, he doesn't take my will away. But he's going he's to take over. When someone or something takes away our choices, we get very defensive. And if you want to see a perfect illustration of that, look how the pro-choice people are reacting right now, losing that Roe v. Wade argument. They are angry. And surrender is a hard word to swallow for selfish, self-centered people. Is God asking you right now to do something, go somewhere, give up something that would require you to forfeit your comfort? Or, or to forfeit your control? Or to forfeit your freedom of choice? Well, let me just say this. Don't let these idols keep you from the greatest journey you could ever take. Tell him, bid me come. And then when he says come, just take that step of faith. So the first fear is the forfeiting of my freedom. The second fear is the fear of fronting my frailty. I wrote down here, no one likes to look weak or to look like a fool. Uh, failure does that. No one wants to be weak or suffer the consequences of weakness. So some people fear fronting their frailty. They, so much so, Here's what it is. They're not willing to forfeit the success they might, that might come their way if they would take a chance and try it. I got friends that won't get on an airplane. I mean, they're missing out on so much of life. I mean, I was, I was talking to the lady on the way home in flights, and, and uh, the guy next to me, he was going to Saratoga. She was going to Lake George, both from out of the territory. And I says, boy, they certainly aren't concerned about your comfort on this plane. And I said, look at my knees. And because my knees are jammed into the seat, and it puts these creases right into my knees because they're so tight in there. And, then, and he says, yeah, they're just not concerned. I, says, I said, but I'd much rather go through that and get to see my kids in three hours than they have to wait for two days to get there. And they go, amen to that. You know, they all of a sudden got real religious. Some people fear fronting their frailty so much, though, they just they'll forfeit things that could bring them great success and blessings. Some fear failure so much they are not willing to take the risk that faith requires. The old saying is this, smooth seas never made a skillful sailor. The truth is no one has ever conquered anything worthwhile in life without a, being a risk taker. That's the truth. Great faith requires great risk. And Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, uh, um, David, Elijah, Paul, and, and here Peter were all afraid of failing, but they did not let that stop them. They feared God more than they feared their failure. Some of them failed in their mission, but they went on as God had commanded them, and God ended up victorious through them. So fronting our failure is a great determinant uh, to success, because the world teaches us that failure is weak and it is wrong. But can I tell you this? Success or failure is not for us to worry about. It's just for us to trust and obey. Ours is just to take the step of faith into service of him because there is no other way to fully please him 
and to fully satisfy our desire for peace. It's always going to, if God's calling you and you're, and you're saying, I, I just can't do this, I, I don't feel it, I'm, it's going to plague you. You're never going to get really over it until you do it. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And Peter had to believe that, that he is, and that is a reward of them that diligently seek him. And he did get rewarded. He at least took some steps of, uh, uh, out, of the faith, out of the faith he had on the water. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, answered King Nebuchadnezzar when faced with being thrown into the fire furnace for not bowing down to an idol in Daniel 3, 16, and 18, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter, they said. Do you know, uh, in other words, we don't have to think about this. That's our biggest problem, everybody. This is too much thought into it. You know, it all bo- really boils down to a lack of humility. The truth is, failure is a great character builder. I've failed at far more things than I've succeeded at. It's the greatest pride killer God uses. Failure. Trusting him overcomes that fear of failure. We analyze too much, but not for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from uh, from the burning fiery furnace, and, and he will deliver us out of the, thine hand, O king. But if not, <laughs> be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image that thou hast set up. You see, we are to live in the what-ifs. We are to live in the even-ifs. Right? Even if you throw us into the fire, we're going to serve you. Even though he slay me, yet I will trust him, Job said. So the fierce fear, the first fear is forfeiting my freedom. The second fear is fronting my failures. And the third fear is interesting, it's the fear of facing my fears. The fear of facing my fears. No one likes the feeling of being afraid. Does anybody here would raise a hand? I love being afraid. You know what's amazing? Uh, I, I love roller coasters. I still to this day. I haven't been on one in a while because it, it makes my heart beat fast and it's like a fearful fe- feeling when you go through it. I, I still love flying. As we came home, we, we're going up and as you go up, sometimes you hit one of those turbulences that just the plane just goes nuts. You say, could this be the end? You know, it's just the way it is. But if you fly as many times, I, I tried to figure out how many times I've flown in my life, but it's in the hundreds. But I'm thinking... Well, I just every time I go through that, there's a there's a little tingle of fear that goes through my, and I don't like that feeling. No one likes feeling afraid. No one likes fearing for your life, and that's why many people won't fly. Most people, even though they won't admit it, will not step out of the boat because of their lack of courage to do so. Just because of how it feels when fear takes hold. Fear is a feeling that must be overcome in order to succeed, and Jesus knows that. My pastor used to tell me 95% of the things we fear will never happen, and it's true. The only one, the only, only one stepped out, but I'm sure they all wanted to, except for what? Their fear. They were scared to death. And they say when we are presented a frightful situation, I don't know if you know this, I, I had to look this up, 
when you're presented a frightful situation, people respond differently. So most, most people panic. And when they panic, they get frantic. And they make, they make the situation more stressful. And a lot of times, more people will die because of that. Some even freeze up where they can't do anything. Right? You know, I think about, you know, we always want to protect our people here in the church. You know, what would you do if somebody came in here? Well, I've already made it up in my mind. I'm not going to run. Uh, I'll be scared to death, I'll tell you that. But I'm going at the problem. I'm not running away from the problem. And then, but about 10% of them take charge of their fears. About 10% of people will take charge of their fears and do what they have to do to survive and help others to survive. In other words, they just take over because they have faith. So spiritually speaking, we the believers of Jesus Christ are the few he has chosen to live above our fears in order to save others from their fears. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I've always said this. I've said, if I've said this once, I've said this a thousand times. I, I can't imagine someone going through the death process not knowing Jesus Christ. How hard that must be and how fearful that must be. We don't just live, we don't live by our fears. We live by our faith. And we are to be courageous for Christ because of Christ. Nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Ye are God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You know, Frank, Franklin Delano Roosevelt um, uh, said it best when our country was in economic ruin due to the Great Depression. He said the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. There's great wisdom in that statement. He took charge and made a statement that held this country together. You know why? Because no one enjoys being afraid. But we have to face our fears in order to overcome the storms of life when they come. And if this country that we live in, if there weren't people before us that were courageous in all that they did, this country wouldn't even be here this, right now. We know if we can say to Jesus, bid me come, he's going to be, it's going to be a fearful journey. We know that because he's calling us to places we don't want to go to and do things that's not easy to do for us. And what happens is it turns many away. It's a fearful thing, as I said, to fall into the hands of a living God. You know, when Jesus says come, there will be some resistance by the flesh. Uh, there will be some rejection due to fears. There will be some, there'll, there'll even be some uh, reluctance due to lack of faith. You know, but Jesus said, be of good cheer. He said it right here, just come, it is I. You know, be not afraid. Do you know what fears, what fears I see in that statement, bid me come, that we all have to overcome? It's one, of it, one of them is the fear of feeling forsaken. Wonder if I go ahead and step out and God forsakes me and nobody backs me. And this whole thing just sinks. 
We're afraid of stepping out because we know God might try our faith. There's the fear of feeling forgotten. You know, I wonder if I go into a foreign country. Uh, he's asked me to go to, and God chooses to be silent after that. And I'm all alone. Jesus told them, it is I. Right? You're not dealing with a man here. You're dealing with the great I am when you're dealing with Jesus. This is your great, this is your great redeemer and defender. Jesus said, it's me, boys. It's not, it's not a mere man here. It's me. Don't ever forget this truth, everyone. You're serving someone that cannot fail. Isaiah 59, 15 and 16, can a, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. I, I love that statement because there are a lot of mothers out there that have abandoned their children. Yet will I not forget thee, he says. Behold, I have graven thee upon the ponds of my hand. Thy walls are continually before me. There's the fear of feeling foolish. wonder if I step out and I look like a fool. And I drown because of this, you know. All I can think of is Elliot there, dying at an early age, stepping out by faith, and now reaching more of the world than he ever would have reached if he'd lived to be older. The truth is sometimes God asks you to step out by faith just so you'll fall into his arms, amen? Sometimes that's what he does. He just wants you to fall into his arms. No one has ever regretted falling into the arms of Jesus. Anybody here right now would say by the raised hand, I regretted falling into the arms of Jesus. The fear of forfeiting your freedom will stop many of you. The fear of fronting your frailty will stop many of you. The fear of facing your fears will stop many of you. But most, but the last one is the one we close with. And it's the fear of failing my faith. I want to be faithful. Who by raised hand would say it? I want to be faithful. Amen. I just want to be faithful. You know, I just want to be faithful. If we say, bid me come, we know God will be asking us to trust him by faith in things where we're going to have to be faithful. Without any physical or, uh, physical or mental evidence to rely on. It will all be by faith and nothing by sight if we ask him to bid me come. Wonder if I go or do what he's asking me to do and I don't have the faith to see it through. Is this you? I've got good news for you. Your faith may fail, but his won't. It just won't. The evidence is right here before you in the word in the word of God. Peter could not have made it without Jesus, and neither can you. Jesus is right there, not only to catch him but to hold him up and then also to walk him right back over to the boat. And that's what Jesus will do for you when he says, come and you obey, trust him, and go. Jesus said in John 59, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Do you understand nothing, what nothing means there? Nothing. You can't do anything without him. You wouldn't live another second if it wasn't without him. He's the one that maintains and sustains everything. Even the very breaths we breathe. 
So when you step out, you don't have to fear or wonder if your faith will hold you up. Why? Because he's the one who says, I'll hold you up. He wouldn't ask you to do it if he, had himself, if he himself was not going to walk with you through it. You see, if your faith is in Jesus, you can depend upon his faithfulness. All Jesus said was, come. Peter went. You know, your faith is never strong enough to survive without Jesus. Never. I don't care how old you are, how seasoned you are in your faith. Cast thy burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Psalm 55, 22. You can count on God because he is the faithful one who says to you, come. With that said, faithful is he that calleth you, and who also will do it. First Thessalonians 5, 24. Second Timothy 1, 12, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. So the only thing we should fear is staying in the boat when Jesus says, come. And I believe with all my heart, I'm standing up here and I'm telling you publicly that I believe he calls everybody to something that's going to cause them to have to step out and take a risk by faith. The only thing we should fear is just staying in the boat. Is there someone here that Jesus has been trying to get to step out by faith in the ministry or into service or even to be saved? I know there's some names that I'm praying for in this church right now that aren't saved and I know they need to be saved and they're very dear to me. They may not attend very often, but I care about them a lot. And if I care about them, think how Jesus feels about them. And if they would only just say, bid me come, their whole life would change. When Jesus said, come, and they go. So are you finally ready to step out of the boat, people, and trust Jesus and to take you by the hand and escort you into salvation? Is there someone here that just has never settled that issue of salvation? Just cry out, bid me come, and then Jesus will say, come, and you just come to the altar, give your life to him. How about, is there someone in here that is saved and seasoned, but still hasn't had the ability to step out by faith and to take that risk to do something you know he's asking you to do because you feel that you might fail or it might be fearful or you might have to forfeit up some things in order to do it. Well, I tell you today too, come. Just come. That's the battle cry. He's saying come, all we must do is go. So are you finally ready to step out of the boat and finally trust Jesus to take over your life and escort you through this life, holding on to you? Amen? Let's bow our heads. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and hearts open. I invite you to accept his invitation to come to him. If you're unsaved, accept his invitation to come to him and be saved. If there's anyone unsaved, if you're unsaved, he's calling you to, to be saved.
that's the first thing you have to do. Admit to Jesus you're a sinner and that there's no way to save yourself from the penalty of your sin and, and from the wrath of God. Your sin debt that you must pay and is an eternal death in a place called hell. Reserved for those unbelievers. Second, you need to acknowledge that Jesus paid your sin debt and he paid it in full. And he did it on Calvary's cross and, and he rose from the dead to save you from hell and God's wrath by living again to offer you eternal life with him, both now and forever. And then finally accept Jesus by faith and the free gift of eternal life he offers you by repenting or turning from your sin and asking him to save you. Is there anyone here today that would be honest with God and say, I, I don't know for sure if I'm saved, but I really want to be saved. Would you pray for me, Pastor? By the raised hand, I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call out now, just saying, I'm anybody at all? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Got a call. That's bid me come. And Jesus says, Come. And then for the rest of us, for believers here, what is God asking you to do? And so far you've been hesitant because of unbelief or because of lack of faith. What's holding you back? Is it the fear of forfeiting your freedoms? Is it the fear of fronting your frailties and looking weak and foolish? Is it the fear of facing your fears because you just don't like that feeling? Or is it the fear of failing your faith? You're asking me to do this, Lord, but I don't know if I'll be able to do it. Well, the good news is, is that he'll do it for you and with you and through you until he's with you. So don't let any of them stop you from the journey of a lifetime. So as the music plays and as Mike leads the closing, if you're ready to come, you just come. It's between you and your God. You don't have to prove it to me. Just step out of the boat and let him prove it to you. So with that said, I'll turn it over to Mike. And if Jesus is speaking to you this morning, you come. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.